This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to I Know That Face, the only podcast which honours the often underappreciated by the masses work of character actors. I'm Stephen Portio. I Know That Face is dropping this special bonus episode in between character actor pods because I had the opportunity to chat to Orion Lee, one of the stars of the amazing film First Cow, which is now out in select cinemas in Ireland. First Cow is the latest from American filmmaker Kelly Reichardt, who people may know from her acclaimed movies like neorealist drama Wendy and Lucy, thriller Night Moves, and Western Week's Cut Off, uh, the latter of which in particular we've talked a lot about on this podcast. Indeed, First Cow feels like a bit of a companion piece to Meek's Cut Off, as both films are set around the Oregon area in the 19th century. In First Cow, a quiet American chef named Cookie, played by John McGarrow, and a Chinese immigrant named King Lu, played by Ryan Lee, become friends during a perilous journey to find a new life for themselves. Eventually, the pair arrive at a newly formed town that's home to the first cow of the region, owned by a wealthy chief actor, played by Toby Jones. The pair decide to sneak onto the chief actor's land to steal milk from the cow in order for Cookie to make oily cakes that he can sell. Those who've seen other movies from Kelly Reichardt will know that her films have their own particular rhythms. You know, they take their time. Well, first cow is set in the American frontier. Like, this is not a Clint Eastwood western. Instead, it focuses on the ordinary people that would typically be on the fringes of one of those westerns, people who've travelled across America or countries in search of a better life. And the slower, more meditative pace of First Cow actually works to capture on screen what living in the time period was like, where travelling took weeks at a time and every task, such as washing clothes and gathering water, is done by hand. And, you know, while that could be dull, with Reinhardt's movies, there's always a lot going on. And uh, for one thing, parts of First Cow almost feel like a light comedy about cooking King Lou running this grift, which winds up with them eventually feeding the cakes made with the cow's milk to the cow's owner, who eats it and declares, I taste London in this cake, but it's totally oblivious to the fact that he's eating his, his own product, essentially. Uh, but also, on a more deeper level, it's a story about the birth of but also the difficulty of achieving the American dream. You know, it's about two working-class people pursuing a better life for themselves in a new land. You know, people who want to start a business and earn for themselves. You know, people willing to put the work in and slightly break the rules to achieve their dreams when necessary. And how that entrepreneurial spirit can often be stymied by the powers that be. And but, but maybe most importantly, it's the story about two people from very different backgrounds who gradually form this beautiful friendship, which is only made all the more humane and powerful by the wonderful central performances and the time Reichardt devotes to their growing bond. Uh, you know, we watch in what feels like real time Cookie and King Lou go from being people thrown together by chance to becoming inseparable. So I obviously love the film very much, and I was lucky to chat to Orion about the movie and working with Reichardt, whose movies have such a particular vibe, and what he brought to the character of King Lou, and he also done some theatre work in the Abbey in Dublin, so he talked a bit too about his time in Ireland. Uh, this is our chat, I hope you like it. What's your name? King Lou. They call me Cookie. My mother died when I was born, and then my father died. I never stopped moving. 
It's the getting started that's the puzzle. No way for a poor man to start. You have a cow. First cow in the territory. It's ain't a place for cows. Well, it's no place for white men either. I sense opportunity here. Thank hey, Stephen. Hi, how are you? Good, good. I'm all ready. I've got my, my bubble tea here. <laughs> Perfect. Um, <laughs> congratulations on First Cow. Um, I think it's an incredible piece of work. And you know, prior to making it, you'd worked a lot in theatre and um, you had some smaller roles in uh, you know, big blockbusters and TV. And I was, I was just curious as to how you got involved in uh, First Cow and playing King Lou. What happened was I, I went to... I had a quiet period in the UK with my acting, so I decided I was going to go to the U- US and try that out. And um, and I managed to get a manager. And he set up some meetings for me, and it was I thought, oh wow, you know, all the meetings were like so enthusiastic and, and fantastic with these big studios and everything. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go back for pilot season and and just smash it and. <laughs> And then I went there and I sat in my Airbnb the whole time. I didn't get one audition or one interview or anything. Uh, I realized, well, okay, there is a difference between, there's a real difference culturally between, uh, you know, Americans and, and British people with regards to how enthusiastic they are, you know. <laughs> um, I, I, I do remember seeing a... Um, a play over there and at the end everybody stands up and claps and you know in the UK we're a bit more reserved we're like okay if it's really good we give you a standing ovation <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah so uh, I came back I was disappointed um, and then in the UK my, my, my manager you know, a couple of months a few months later called me up and said you know there's this um, director called Kelly Reichardt and you know, there's a part in the film which might, you might be great for. And I was like, well, yes, absolutely. Um, and uh, I know I, I watched um, uh, Kelly's movie Night Moves and was so impressed by it. And then for the audition, I got a script and the, the audition pieces. Um, there was the scene where I'm first meet Cookie and then there's a scene where I'm in the film it's the one where I'm so we're both by the riverside and doing chores and I'm making some like rope thing and so so I did that those two auditions and then you know sent it off and then then I got another call from my, my manager saying Kelly would like to meet with you on Skype I was like ah! <laughs> <laughs> you know then coming down calming myself down and then um, uh, yeah I had a discussion with her and we talked for about an hour an hour and a half about you know the story the characters uh, you know where she was coming from um, and then she gave me some notes I redid the two takes uh, redid the two takes she emailed me and uh, just like two more notes, and then I read it, and then and then I got the talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what what I love about Kate Rockard's movies is that they have this 
enhanced realism and they devote a, devote a lot of time to chronicling their characters you know just navigating their surroundings and you know in the early portions of first cow we're, we're watching king lou and cookie try to survive this perilous journey to oregon and uh, what was it like not only having this big role but oftentimes being on screen and not saying a whole lot like was that was that exciting or was it challenging gosh you know it's great because there was always something to do the script was so well crafted in that in each scene there was something at stake. Even if it's the, the stakes are like a small thing, like you know, I'm trying to make the fire. I'm like, okay, I'm trying to make the fire, but I'm also trying to listen to you know this guy and 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 tell him, show him that I'm interested and in, in you know and and in what he's talking about. And so it was. Yes, there were a few times where, you know, nothing is said, but there's always something to do. And there's always something that is kind of like unsaid. Um, and and uh, in certain parts, the book, the story, which the script is based on was actually really helpful as well, because books are written in a through the you know the thought the thoughts of the characters um, and there there were one or two times where it was like really revealing for me to go oh okay this is what King Lou is thinking at that, at that point in time um, so but yeah if anything it was just it was yeah definitely exciting to be able to just take that time and be in that moment to be alive in that moment to have um you know as opposed to okay the point of this scene is i need to i don't know give a plot device or i have to like make this action you know like 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 have to shoot this person or 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 whatever or so it wasn't you know the, the point of the scene was just to be there with another person a lot of the time you know um yeah it was great and i um, i read a lot that you saw a lot of yourself in the character of king lou and can you talk about that and also about some of the prep that you and the other cast members did to you know authentically recreate life in the 1820s in terms of things like you know chopping wood or you know lighting fires Someone, I can't remember who it was that said that acting is it, it's, it's kind of choosing the parts of you which are relevant to the character and dialing them up and then those bits which aren't dialing them down but but always kind of like putting yourself in there. I am, you know, a, a product of living in many different places. Um, you know, I've been in, I've lived in Hong Kong, uh, I've lived in Malaysia, I've lived in Australia, UK, uh, Switzerland, New York, San Francisco, you know, I, and so I've got the same sort of thing of, of just having to adapt to many different cultures in different areas and being, being observant like that. And when I was a kid, See, one, one, of the, one of the puzzles for me was um, I thought that the two characters were very alike and that's what made them fast friends, you know, because I, I feel like people who are similar sort of like, you know, get drawn to each other. And um, 
it's not you know opposites attract it's it's similarities attract and and so I thought that really King Lou it was the story of two people who were sort of like you know uh, similarly uh, you know and similar personalities meeting and, and finding sort of a solace in each other where everybody else they don't fit in anywhere else you know with the rest of the society around in that area. But when I had a discussion with Carrie, Kelly said that she wanted two people completely different on the screen. And she said that, you know, King Lou was very charismatic and brash and forward and, you know, like a con man. And I was like, oh, how am I going to reconcile these two things? You know, I thought it was this way. Kelly wants it that way. And then I remembered that basically in my childhood, I was very, very quiet and reserved. And, you know, I, I remember my dad telling me, you have to look people in the eye because I was like, you know, every time I'd see, meet someone, I'd be like, like this, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and then over time, I changed. I, I um, even in high school, I was still quite shy. And, then I, and I also wanted to be not I, I guess. And then, you know, I went to university and I, I met tons of people and, and I was learning about how to be social and how to talk and how to, you know, just chit chat and things like that, which I all, I just didn't know how to do that. And, and then I've become this person now, which I think I can chit chat and just talk like I'm doing now. And that transformation which is what I thought King Lu happened to King Lu. So I crafted a backstory, which was relevant to the time period. And in that in that time period, China was going through the Opium Wars. Um, so I linked that in. I mean, I won't give any details. It's, you know, um, don't want to give too much, you know, information, which is which the audience can choose. Um, so I crafted a backstory which included this thing where King Lu was, as a child, very quiet, very reserved, um, you know, and as time went by and his experiences and his travels and his need to adapt to different places and, you know, on ships and things like that, different ports, he became a different person. But when he meets cookie not even not even on a conscious level i think it's just this kind of like their souls recognize each other sort of thing you know it's not like a really conscious oh you're i'm the same as you you're the same to me no it's it's just this thing and then it continues to grow um then to the other part of your question which was the sort of the veracity of the time period a lot of that is um firstly the amazing set builders, prop people, the costuming, all the teams surrounding there, the um, the wonderful landscape of Portland, Oregon. And then, you know, we did do, we did read up about the time period. And then we also had a, like a three-day camp where we would learn about, um, yeah, crafting rope from reeds and, and uh, how to make a, a candle out of animal fat and, um, an oyster shell and a, and a wick, you know, and how to trap an animal and um, skin an animal and, you know, make fire. And, and, and 
I don't know whether we chopped wood, <laughs> which is why my character does it really badly in the film. <laughs> um, but, you know, but then that's part of the charm of the film, isn't it? It's that realism, whereas, you know, the typical, I don't know, typical Western or whatever it is, it's like the person takes the axe, hits down, and it cracks open. <laughs> I, I, and then you're just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. keep trying to make it. Um, so yeah, all of that together just helped, you know, to locate it in a place and time. As you heard in the intro, this show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts. There's plenty of other great shows to check out on the network. Here's a taster of one. Dublin podcast is basically Suzanne Kane and PJ Gallagher. It is a podcast that is designed very much look at the negative side of things and tell you that it is okay to get up in the morning and live your day. Suzanne Kane, slightly crazy conservative lady and ultra liberal lunatic headcase me, PJ Gallagher, doing our best to put a smile on your face. It's a midlife, it is literally a midlife crisis podcast. Start from next week, we'll have 10 15 minutes of extra bonus material that will be on the podcast every single week, which will be very focused instead of this usual sort of demented ranting. Excuse me. And you can sign up together on headstuffpodcast.com where you'll find loads of other brilliant podcasts with, with all brilliant bonus topics. Material, and apparently. loads of great bonus material that isn't us, but stick with us too. Thank you. I Know That Face are also delighted to finally get to tell listeners about Headstuff Plus. Headstuff Plus is the one-stop shop for everything on the Headstuff Podcast Network, Ireland's largest podcast network and the one to which I Know That Face belongs. If you're a fan of I Know That Face or any other shows on the network, become a member of Headstuff Plus and get bonus episodes of Headstuff Shows, other exclusive content, merchandise, early access to live events, and lots more. We here at I Know That Face have already recorded a handful of bonus episodes where myself and Andrew talk about more current news and releases in the world of film and TV. But also in the future, we have plans for more actor-themed series as well, along with releasing episode outtakes, accompanying articles, etc. All for Headstuff Plus subscribers. To sign up to Headstuff Plus, it's just €5 Euro plus fat per month. When you sign up, no matter what show or shows you are supporting, you still get access to everything. All the bonus material for all the podcasts on the network. A lot of great podcasts. Plus, by doing so, you'll be supporting I Know The Face to bring you more top material. For all the details and to sign up, visit headstuffpodcasts.com. And now, back to the show. And I, I saw an interview you did where you said that you read the script and you didn't think it was very emotional but then you got to the final page and you cried. And so what do you think it is about the way King Lou and Cookie's friendship builds that it, it becomes so powerful? And you know, how did you and your co-star, John McGarrow, you know, flesh that out from script to screen? I think that's the genius of Kelly Reichardt. I, 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 I couldn't quite point you to what it was, the individual things, you know? Yeah, it was in the script already kind of thing from the, from the beginning, that, that feeling. But yeah, I do think... That it's part of it is the, you know, with the pacing, I think there's a time, there's, it gives time for you to consider your own life as well and, and your own friendships. And, and, you know, you're not being told what to look at or this is what is being shown right now. So you have the time, if you want, as an audience member, to engage with the material and think about your friend and how maybe. You were both awkward in those initial days of meeting each other, and then, and then slowly you became closer friends, and you know, and and then it's, and then you know now at a point where you can just 
call each other up and say, "Hey, how are you doing? You know, let's go for a coffee, or you know, want to check out that movie?" You know, whereas before it was like, you know, "Oh, so um, that's this movie. Do you want?" To... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 it goes through that process, you know, which which is kind of what you recognize as what happened to you, and. And the thing is, friendships aren't like you know they're not this explosive moment of passion or any. It's just kind of like process, and you just go through it, and then, and then, yeah, and then it ends in the film, and then you realize that you know if your friendships ended, your those relationships if they ended, you you you'd feel that loss, and it all kind of like collides at that at that point in time. Um, in terms of John and I, I mean, you know, we we never really sat down and said, "Okay, this is what you're going to do, and this is what I'm going to do," and and, and then it'll show it'll show friendship, you know. And we just um, we just did the script, existed in our characters, and I think that the number one thing is is just listening, because perhaps because we didn't have a conversation about what you were going to do and what I was going to do. When we hit the set, when the camera was rolling, we had to watch each other. We had to like listen to each other because we we didn't have a pre-planned. Okay, this is what we're going to do, but we both had this great respect for each other's craft and and ability and and you know how we were sitting in the character, and so we just would watch each other and listen to each other. And I think I think that. Just comes across, mm. you know, um, that we it's, it's, sometimes it's just rare for two people to really listen to each other. And uh, I know we're running a little bit low, short on time, but uh, I just had two quick short questions to ask you. The foodie in me has to ask, like the oily cakes that uh, Cookie makes with the cow's milk looked amazing, and um, Toby Jones really sells to viewers that they taste great. Did you get to eat one, and what were they like? And then also, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, uh, you know, working in theatre, you spent some time in Dublin, where I'm based, um, with the Abbey Theatre, and what, what was that experience like? The food, like, when it's freshly cooked, it was fantastic, like, when it's warm. Uh, but then, you know, it's it's um, flour and, and fat and oil, <laughs> so it's pretty, and sugar, it's pretty easy to make it taste good. Um, <laughs> Um, but then, but then, yeah, you know, as, as the scene, you don't take up and take up and take. It starts to get cold. <laughs> you reach into the bottom of the pile, and then it's 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 not so great. But uh, fresh, fresh out of the the, the frying pan, it's amazing. Um, the Abbey, I loved my time at the Abbey. Oh my gosh, um, it's just this kind of like welcoming time and you know um dublin itself is just uh i don't know it's it's i remember walking one of my inviting memories is walking to a pub and just you know i was just having a drink or just taking in the atmosphere and there was this person playing you know playing i can't remember what instrument it was and then somebody else just came in the pub who brought their instrument and then they were just sat down and started playing. Like the other person didn't stop, or you know, it was just like the other person starts playing, and then another person comes in with a different instrument and they start playing. And it's you know, to me, that was that was the, the epitome of, of sort of 
an Irish sort of like hospitality and you know music making and and conviviality and 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 also not fussy. It's not like oh we're stopping telling everybody welcome this person. No, just rocks up and starts playing and just like that and you keep playing. It's not like you're you know it wasn't. There was nothing fake about it. It was just so cool to just see, you know, and and everybody around them, you know, just having a drink, having a chat, listening to music, you know. Again, it's not it's not like oh, this is the stage. Watch this. It was it was really beautiful. Yeah, I had a brilliant time. That was my interview with First Cow star Ryan Lee. I hope you liked it. First Cow screening in the Irish Film Institute, the IFI, in Dublin from today. I hope as more theatres open up in Ireland as COVID-19 restrictions ease that uh, more places will get to show it. But if you do struggle to find it in cinemas, uh, First Guy will also be released in Ireland on the incredible streaming service movie on July 9th. Rate and review and subscribe to I Know The Face wherever you get your podcasts from. Email us at iknowthefacepod at gmail.com if you'd like to get in touch with the show. Follow us at Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Check out me at the Headstuff Film section and joe.ie. And until next time, see you later cinephiles. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.